0: It's very interesting to watch someone, a banker or a lawyer, very soberly looking at your business and telling you how valuable it is. And really, that's how we should be thinking about it. I mean,.
1: Hello, Agency Go fam. Welcome to How to Scale an Agency, where we interview top digital marketing agency owners like Abstract Management, One SEO, and U Plus to learn how they scale to $10 million in revenue per year. If you would like to be part of a 200-plus member digital marketing agency owner community, go to grow.agencygo.io and sign up today. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of How to Scale an Agency. I'm on with Alex O'Byrne. His agency, We Make Websites, has been able to scale to over 90 employees uh, and is a Shopify-focused e-commerce digital e commerce agency based in London, New York, Vancouver, and Toronto. I'm so excited to do this interview with you. Thank you so much, Alex, for being on the show.
0: Pleasure. Looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, it's, it's uh, this will be interview number 55. So thank you for. Uh, you know, gracing us with your appearance. So let's jump into it. So how for this business you were able to scale from the LinkedIn, it says you guys launched in 2009, just to make it quick and easy and simple for people to grasp that level of scale. I mean, if you could summarize maybe what was the one thing you were able to do to ramp your agency to 90 employees, is there any number one piece of advice you'd give to people? Yeah,
0: definitely. So it's worth mentioning that for the first four years or so until 2013, we were, not, you know, we were not employing anyone It was more like freelance and we were doing, you know, anything for money, basically, which is, a, I think, a trap a lot of agencies fall into. And I think mm-hmm. in 2013, the big thing that changed was we developed our own niche, which was e-commerce only. And the reason for that was we realized clients that had an e-commerce site always valued what we did more than anyone else that we built websites for. And Piers and I, Piers have a co-founder, had a experience in technology in banking for a couple of years so we were very comfortable with dealing with money and that kind of fine line between brand commerce back-end scale front-end scale and whatever else so e-commerce only I and mean, then around the same time shopify was kind of going through its high growth well still is really but back then it was just becoming becoming a sort of brand name that people would go to more on the lines yeah. of brands like back then anyway and right. we decided to just use Shopify for everything. And that solved two problems, which meant we could scale. The first one was we had a very strong position because we were one of the only Shopify agencies, so it's easier to compete in pitches because we had an instant competitive advantage. We'd just done it more than anyone else. And then each right. new brand we got generally would mean even today that we have the best brands that are on Shopify, like on in our portfolio. And the second problem it solved was an operational one, which is if you're not doing the same thing all the time, and this is what full service agencies struggle with, it's very difficult to resource and build process around and it's just a headache. Whereas if you're right. doing pretty much the same thing day in, day out, I mean, obviously all projects are different, but, you know, you've got certain parameters that stay the same, certain constraints, then everything gets easier to operationalize and grow. And really, ever since then, we've stuck to that strategy and just grown over the years with Shopify, and that's worked out well for us and led to that scale.
1: I love what you did. It gives me a lot of hope, and I hope it gives the agencies listening a lot of hope as well in terms of scaling their agency, because... The number one thing i hear about agencies who scale over 10 million dollars per year in revenue or even just five million dollars per year in revenue is that they start to become more specialized they start to become more niche and that's always a scary process for digital marketing agency owners because they're scared of losing revenue so like you mentioned you said you know shopify companies clients were the best ones to work with we're going through the same thing right now we think b2b services are going to be the best and and even like specifically voip companies or it tech focused companies are going to be the best for our business model uh, with Twiz, I think one thing that uh, would be helpful also for the listeners to hear is where you get most of your customers from. Is it all word of mouth still into this point, or do you guys have like a steady go-to-market strategy you typically are able to do yeah. for?
0: So just on like your first point, quickly, uh, you're right, and that that year we changed was kind of scary. So it was like holding on to like whilst we turned and just hoping that we. Had cash at the end of the year, basically because we yeah. boosted up so we had no funding. So definitely not an easy thing to be turning away work that could be quite good, really, but not fitting. Right. So totally relate to that, and but but we have no regrets whatsoever. So it's worth the pain. In terms of yeah, okay, channels. So I would say partners really, and again, if you have a strong niche position, then it's actually a more efficient way <laughs> of getting the word out to tech partners or other agency partners because I mean, agencies often refer work to each other like if like right. we don't have any digital marketing so often a digital marketing firm will know who we are so if any of their clients say oh we're using shopify we're looking for a good agency they're just going to mention us because it's such right. a, a pithy and easy to remember um position yeah. that we've got. so i would say partners is number one i think Number two, and it's not so much nowadays, but certainly in the first few years, um, content marketing was big for us. So Mm. again, having a niche means that when you're publishing content, let's say on a blog, all your content is like the best on the internet on that topic, or at least in the top, you know, five or let's say 10 pages. So if we write a post on like how to do headless on Shopify or what are the best themes on Shopify, generally um it will rank on the first page and towards the top so you're getting a lot of organic traffic we've changed our strategy there a bit which i can get into but back in the day we used to do a lot of that and then the key thing there is becoming sticky so you want to get an email address basically so the classic pop-up and like hey download our guide on you know 100 tips for your shopify store or whatever thing and then the key thing there is Again, you're sending that email list regular content, which they must be interested in because why would they have signed up? And also if they're not, then that's fine, right? Like you don't want people on the list that are not into Shopify or e-commerce or whatever. The powerful thing then is, let's say you have a thousand people on the list. Those thousand people change jobs. They end up in another firm that's about to switch e-commerce sites and then they come to you. Or the professional contacts those people have ask them, Hey, do you know anyone to Shopify and they, th- and people love to recommend firms and people and whatever. So they'll say, Oh yeah, I know a company. I'm on their mailing list. They're great. So that for the first, let's say 2013 to sort of 2018, 19 was a massive vehicle for our growth and also part of the mid funnel. So like we would right. get people, you know, maybe they found us through an event or a partner or whatever, but they were not ready to be platform, but they stayed on the mailing list for a year and then they come back and say, I'm ready to be platform now. Or oh, have just moved firms and yeah, I'm somewhere I got a budget three platform. Really powerful for us.
1: So talk to me about how, so one thing I, I, there's, there's two really pressing questions I have. One, what are your margins like with website development? Like, do you guys try to aim for a certain percentage net profit margin when you're doing work? Uh, I mean, you guys are so niche. I imagine you should be able to command like a pretty good price for what you do and, and probably have really good margins. Like, how do you guys typically think through that?
0: I can give you some general guidance. So, for any agency, I think a good margin is anything over twenty percent net is pretty good. You know if you figure things out, you can get way above that. I think for what we do, which is design development that which is cost intensive, you know those are skilled roles that are expensive and not easy. You, you don't automate anything. You know whereas digital marketing, you might be able to build a more efficient way of handling a higher volume of clients. So anything about 20% I think is a good goal net. And how to get there is the next thing. And what we did was we aimed for a 67% gross margin on projects. It's all very rough, but like the idea was that back then, we've changed the rates a bit now, but we were charging out at one in pounds, 120 an hour. In US dollars, that's about 160 an hour.
1: Right.
0: And then... We worked out notionally that to get an employee in to this is back full the pandemic into an office and make you know get them comfortable with all their benefits and everything else costs about forty pounds an hour. So therefore, you know, if you imagine selling a project for one hour at one twenty and you're paying yeah employee that's eighty pounds left. So imagine that on like a fifteen hundred or one hundred fifty thousand pound or dollar project, we right. all seemed to retain 67 percent now there's two important things there one is you never do that or you know it's very hard to do that because right. the clients change their mind and you don't want to push them too hard or you make mistakes or you have new employees because you're growing quickly and that takes longer so lots of reasons you might not hit 67. the next problem is of course you've got all your other headsets so that's officers salespeople, management uh legal finance hr and like you know if you want to get your team Right. We don't really have offices. Well, we have like a digital-first policy. So we have offices in those cities you mentioned, but they're normally not full of people in a given day. But we get everyone together like once a year. So that's got to come from somewhere. So then it's the question of like how much of our sixty-seven do you actually end up keeping? And like I say, if you can get that above twenty, I think that's pretty good because again, sales roles in an agency, project management, and management in an agencies not cheap. So that, <laughs> is those not. are some decent guidelines. And another guideline that's useful is again in pounds. So you know it's a very rough heuristic, but a hundred thousand per head revenue is kind of a good number. You can go above that. Once you do, you start getting a problem that unless you are extremely efficient as a business, you start getting people burning right. out your capacity but it's a nice sort of north star to aim towards.
1: I remember when I was first starting to scale my agency, I felt like I was running in a million different directions and I was eventually able to scale my agency Twiz, to $1.7 million per year in revenue, but not until after I had wasted so much time and money through trial and error. This is why I launched our Agency Go community, the digital marketing agency community I never had. For only $19 per month, you get access to over $100,000 in deals, discounts, tools, and resources to scale your agency. I will also personally teach you how to grow your agency through our group masterclasses. What are you waiting for? Go to grow.agencygo.io and sign up for our membership today. If after 30 days your head is not exploding with value and you do not feel like you know everything you need to know to run your agency, I'll give you your money back. No questions asked. Again, that's grow.agencygo.io to sign up today. So would you say that your business is doing over, like nine million dollars per year in revenue. Then, if you have ninety employees and and hundred thousand yeah. dollars over, that's yeah. amazing. That's incredible. Well, congratulations. You you definitely uh, join the uh, the top. You know, ten percent of agencies that I interview are doing over that. Maybe five percent, honestly, are doing over that. So that's really cool. So yeah, yeah. It's congrats. It's it's a great milestone to hit. So that's amazing. Uh, you know, um, we typically do a couple of, like last minute sort of questions here, just in terms of understanding like. Uh, you know, kind of benchmarking against other companies and stuff. Uh, what is uh, some good business book recommendations that you'd recommend to the audience if you're late um, reading?
0: The John Duo one, Measure What Matters, I think it's called about OKRs. And I think OKRs for, for us are quite a big step forward. The eMyth, that's Michael Gerber, mm. I think, is a good one. You know, work on the business, not in it. One thing I'll do again, actually, is some of your audience might know about EOS, which is yeah, some traction. If I did it again, I think I would take uh, it's Gino Wickman, right? It's the guy's name. I think oh. I would do everything in the book with traction. Yeah, in traction. What we did was we like kind of we were quite mature as a business by then. We were probably like you know 60, 70 people. I picked and chose bits of it and put them into the business, and it worked. But it was I think it would have been better to just do everything he says. I think it's a good structure and not really compatible with OKRs. I think it's better to kind of choose one or the other. Cause he has a, a rocks right. that's kind of similar to OKRs. And the interesting thing then is let's say, you know, you're, you're onboarding managers or even just normal employees, you can give them the book, right? Just say, this is what, this is our employee system. This is what we do, read it. And you can understand the business. If you're like picking and choosing, you know, okay, we need OKRs here. And we're going to use this methodology here. You end up having to effectively document that and teach uh, your, how you run it. Whereas. You're effectively again, kind of, um, operationally creating a lot of efficiency by saying, we just do what this guy says in this book and we don't right. do what he doesn't say. And, um, like I say, pretty much every chapter in there is just full of gold of like people right in the right seats, the way the the cadences for meetings and the way that, meetings are run and yeah, just a really, you can tell that he's done it a lot of times. And this right. model. Yeah.
1: You know, it's funny. I, I, You're the third person I've had recommend that book in the last uh, month. So um, it must be good. I haven't read this it is. yet. I've read I've read Scaling Up by Vern Harnish. Um, and I think partly my av- aversion to uh, reading this book is I thought they were kind of similar. But, you know, people keep mentioning this one a lot more than they're mentioning Scaling Up. So I've got to read it I think it
0: now. That the thing about EOS is good is like you can literally take that book. And as you read each, each chapter, do it. And literally love that. almost copy and paste into your business and... and...
1: That's amazing. I mean, those are the kind of things entrepreneurs need, especially digital marketing agency owners. Um, so, what would you recommend? Like, if you, uh, if, 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 what would you do differently if, if you were 20 or something? Like, so going back to your 20s, what about work? It would work. Yeah. What's, what's the one, number one thing you would do differently if you're, um,
0: revenue is crucial. And like, I, I, we haven't really said this, but I've actually sold my company. So, it's no longer mm-hmm. a private company and it's part of a bigger firm. It's very interesting to watch someone, a banker or a lawyer, very soberly looking at your business and telling you how valuable it is. And really, that's how we should be thinking about it. I mean, even if you hold your company privately forever and it's a lifestyle business or or, or not, I think the seeing the cold hard numbers really gives you a wake up. And things like how you collect revenue and doing that in a way that's going to be inherently cash flow positive for you is absolutely crucial. Um, mm-hmm. Having like higher rates if clients want things, you know, last minute or all that type of thing is really crucial. So I think that's one thing. And the other thing is, you know, any business really is all about people and at a certain scale, you can't do everything and you are relying on other people doing it. And they even may even be managers that are managing other people. And right. so. I think in pretty much any role you end. I was a developer originally, so like eventually you end up leaving that behind and becoming a full-time manager. And some people are averse to that, but I think if you want to get to a scale, you need to be good on it, and that means like you know, like you just right. said, like, in those books, making sure that you are a good leader. I think, and um, I kind of knew that from the beginning, but I think now I really feel it. Like that's yeah. it. What he's got his people. That's it.
1: I love that. I love that. I mean, you're definitely one of a handful of people I've interviewed that have actually sold their agency. And since I know we only have like a little bit of time left, would you mind just breaking that down a little bit for people? Like, how did how did it go down? If you're open to mentioning, if not, how much you earned? Like, how much it was valued at? Like, what multiple? Because that's one thing that's a gray area for a lot of people. If it's like one x revenue or uh, 1.5 or whatever you're able to share on that would be helpful. Because honestly, I have yet to interview anybody who's actually sold their agency. I've a, a lot of people who do like $10 million plus in revenue, okay. but nobody's sold.
0: I can give you some guides without revealing anything. And the, these mm-hmm. are all, you know, fairly like under, like from the advice I got before we did it, like this is pretty common. Mm-hmm. So normally between six to 10 X EBITDA is like agency valuations. And you, I think you can get, uh, valuations above that sometimes, but I think 10x EBITDA is like a really strong valuation. Having said right. that, the more the big the bigger you are, the more the valuations will be, and that's because you get this inertia at a certain point that you know you're not going anywhere, and right. um, there's more robustness. So, but I think um, for any business that's under, let's say, yeah, let's let's say 10 million dollars. I think that's a decent range to aim for. And it depends a bit, again, on the positioning, going back to what I said at the start, like how strong and well-known are you, are you in your position? And um, all the advice we got throughout the whole process and other agencies owners that I know, that's been the result
1: amazing man well thank you so much for being on the show i don't want to take up any more of your time because i know you're a busy guy but where can people contact you i mean are, you know you already sold you exited i mean what's the uh what, what's the next thing i mean that you want people to contact you for is it for aob i mean what, how can people help you out
0: yeah so I, I mean i still work in my business and and enjoy it but definitely people should feel free to reach out so aob.io is my personal site where i try and write up some of the lessons from other over the years and um I don't know if my email is on there actually, but it's alex at aob.io, and then the agency itself is we make websites slash so we websites dot com. Can't look at that, but yeah, aob.io, and um, yeah, I try and write just like my notes from the past ten years, which there's quite a lot of on like what to do and yeah. what to do. Um, so a yeah. great,
1: a great. You should become like the uh, Alex Hermosi of the digital marketing space. Just check him out. He he's. he's you can definitely check him out. Don't he, get he's ideas, Lucas. <laughs> well, it's been great having you on the show, man. You know, uh, you're definitely one of those stories that uh, everyone aspires to be, like sell your agency, do $9, $10 million period revenue. I'd love to have you back on the show in the future, especially we didn't even get into it. But like, I'd like to know your future goals and everything. I mean, now that you've already sold and still working on the business, and what the plans I'll let, are. I'll let you know when I figure that out. Day.
0: Yeah. We'll
1: yeah. Another episode. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Alex. I really appreciate it. I know our audience is going to appreciate it and uh, best of luck to you and everything you're working on. Thank you.